This is the Leadership Institute School Board Campaign Training Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Nearing. This year, the Leadership Institute launched this new program for conservatives interested in running for school board or being involved in school board campaigns. Our podcast features faculty members from the new school board campaign training and other guest experts discussing how to design, wage, and win successful school board campaigns. You can learn more and take the program online at leadershipinstitute.org slash schoolboard. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to walk through designing a winning campaign organization. Uh, so I'm Ron Nearing. I'm a member of the faculty and a member of the staff here at Leadership Institute. I've also benefited from Leadership Institute uh, training. I took my first Leadership Institute school when I was in 1989 when I was a, uh, a freshman in college. Uh, and I had learned at the Leadership Institute. I got involved in a political organization on campus uh, up in New York where I grew up. Got in my car, drove down to Washington, took my first LI training, and I took seven other Leadership Institute trainings over the course of the next couple of years. And I used the relationships and the skills that I learned from those schools to be- later become uh, chairman of the Republican Party of San Diego County, chairman of the California Republican Party, nominee for lieutenant governor of California in 2014, uh, Senator C- Ted Cruz's presidential campaign spokesman in 2016, senior advisor on his reelection in 2018 and a candidate, a successful candidate for local government office in San Diego County in 2020. Also during that time, I had the opportunity to serve on a school board, uh, the Grossmont Union High School District in San Diego County, California. I got to serve uh, as a, an appointed trustee. I was appointed to fill a vacancy, so I served about two and a half years uh, on my local school board. So this is something that I'm very familiar with, and that is designing a winning campaign organization. And in this episode, we're going to walk through the various functions and what is important and what we have to look at in building out an organization that's capable of uh, victory in uh, for a competitive election uh, contest. And I want to start with the importance of having a command focus. People inside of the campaign need to know what is the cause that is bringing us all together. Why are we here? And the answer to that can't just be, well, we're here to get our candidate elected. That has a certain amount of appeal, but to have a broader appeal, to create a compelling campaign, the campaign needs to have a command focus, a cause that is greater than the self-interest of those involved. And that's something that attracts volunteers and donors and supporters and people to the campaign to be involved in a righteous mission uh, like that. And the command focus also helps to give the campaign a theme. What are we all here to do? In uh, 2012, uh, President Obama uh, embraced uh, forward uh, as a theme of his campaign, uh, and it provided an implied contrast to his opposition in that year, Mitt Romney, who was challenging him. And the implication, of course, of the Obama team was we're moving the country forward, and uh, by inference, uh, our opponents would take the country backward into the into the wrong direction. John McCain, when he ran for uh, president, he had the straight talk uh, express, which implied that all the other uh, candidates were, um, you know, were kind of BS artists and, uh, you know, and were all talk. And uh, John McCain was going to tell, you know, the candid uh, truth to people. Uh, and that worked uh, well for him becoming uh, the uh, nominee of his party in 2008. Ronald Reagan, 1984, Morning in America. Morning in America was never the officially a campaign theme. It was actually an ad uh, in 1984 uh, that the Reagan campaign put together uh, that came to symbolize uh, the campaign. And that, that Morning in America, again, that unlike in the 
Carter Malay's years, uh, you know, America had a new uh, birth of opportunity uh, under President Reagan, and, and that helped to create the reason uh, for uh, for his reelection. So the command focus of the campaign should be something that's understood by everyone inside of the campaign and then radiates outward from there so that everyone involved in the campaign knows why we're here. And then that's reflected in communications with donors, volunteers, activists, the media, uh, so on and so forth. And so a, a strategy and a theme help to shape the campaign. And they have to be based on a couple of, uh, of, uh, of important factors. And it needs to be evidence-based. Uh, and that is that people involved in a campaign for school board need to understand what's the political environment and the landscape in which this campaign is going to be waged. What are people in the community thinking about? Who are the people most likely to vote in that school board uh, election. What are their concerns as it relates uh, to the schools? Is it taxes? Is it critical race theory? Is it curriculum? Is it sports? Is it the condition of the schools? You know, what is it? Is it high school graduation rates? Is it student safety? What are the things that people are talking about and thinking about when it comes to this, uh, to their local schools? So that gives us some key strategic assumptions. From there, we go through a process of a SWOT analysis, which we've discussed uh, in episode two of this podcast. You can go back and and, uh, and review that. Uh, and there are a variety of other function, steps that we go through that ultimately produces some goals and objectives, a strategy statement, and a strategic plan. And we discussed some of that in episode two, uh, and then uh, we'll be discussing that in some subsequent episodes as well. But all of that leads us to what we call the pathway to victory. And uh, pathway to victory is something that's commonly discussed very often when you're talking to to donors, for example, raising money. Do, well, very often donors want to know, do you have a pathway to victory? Is there some way that you can win? So here's th what constitutes that pathway to victory. So when you as a candidate or you as someone involved in a campaign are thinking about what is this campaign going to look like from beginning to end, here's how to think about it. Uh, imagine that uh, on the far left side uh, of the screen is um, is a column that reads, where are the voters now? Where are we today? That's the beginning of the pathway to victory. The end of the pathway to victory is where do we need the voters to be? And we define where we need the voters to be in terms of vote goals. How many votes do we need from where? And then in between, what do we have to work with? And then how do we get them there? What do we have to work with is what do people think about our candidate? What do they think about the incumbents? Do they think anything? Very often in school board elections, nobody knows who's on their school board. Uh, people close to the school know who, who's on their school board, but very often other people don't know that the wider community doesn't really know uh, who's on their school board. That can serve to the advantage of challengers in that if the incumbents are not very well known and the challengers are not very well known, then it's more of an even playing field. Um, and then how do we get the voters from where they are, from where we need them to be? And that's where our command focus comes into play uh, and certain strategic communications objectives, which we're going to discuss uh, in a future episode. Uh, but all of that leads to a campaign strategy and then ultimately some things that, we, that the campaign has to accomplish. And so when thinking about designing the campaign itself, there's a couple of important principles for designing it. Uh, number one, it needs to reflect the campaign's objectives, meaning the organization that you build has to be capable of reaching the objectives that you've defined. So if 
there's a need to drive up the candidate's name ID, then there has to be a mechanism reflected in the organizational design to drive up name ID. That could be with signs, that could be with events, that could be uh, with uh, uh, with mail, a number of different tools, usually a number of different tools are, are employed to do that. It should match the nature of the battlefield uh, and the nature of the race. For example, if you're running in a highly urbanized district where everyone lives in apartment buildings and condos, then chances are you're not going to do a lot of going door to door, but you might do a lot of small events and you might have a premium on organize, finding some a supporter in every building, every apartment building or condo who might put on a small event in that building uh, for the residents to introduce you as a candidate. That might be the case in a highly urbanized environment. In a highly rural environment, it may be very difficult to go door to door if the houses are, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of feet apart, if not more, and everyone's got a driveway that seems to be a mile long, very hard to go door to door in that environment. So that may p- place a premium uh, more on mail and small events and, and, and so on. And then finally, the, uh, the organization should be exhibited through strategies and tactics, meaning that the organization is capable of achieving the, uh, the strategic objectives that are defined by the campaign and corresponds to the tactics. For example, if an if a, if a important campaign tactic uh, will be mail, which very often it is in local races, then the campaign needs to have, the campaign organization needs to have the ability to design, produce, uh, determine who the targets are, and get the mail out the door on time, on schedule, not after election day, uh, and so on. And so one of the things that I've learned being involved in presidential campaigns, state-level campaigns, local campaigns, is that when we think about the functions of a political campaign, they don't really vary very much, whether you're a presidential campaign or whether you're a campaign for city council or a school board. Many of the same things have to happen. The difference is how many people are involved, how much resources are involved, and so on. But there are many, many commonalities among the functions that political, successful political campaigns need to carry out. So let's, let's take a couple of minutes to walk through uh, what those functions are. So if you imagine three overlapping circles, uh, and each circle represents a type or a group of campaign activities, and you can generally break that down into development, which is fundraising, political, which is all of the activities related to talking to voters and business. That is the business side of the campaign. And every campaign is a small business. And that's an important factor in having a campaign manager because a campaign manager is running a small business. Every political campaign is a startup and every political campaign winds up shutting down after election day, win or lose. And in between those two points, the campaign manager has to have their hands on uh, and uh, and a good handle on uh, running the business side of the campaign. So the management um, sphere uh, is where all three of these areas overlap, and that is the management of the campaign is going to be directly related to fundraising, political, and the business side of the campaign. Campaign managers need to focus on achieving milestones and objectives. There should be a particular place where we're looking to go that is reflected by that pathway to victory. Where do we need to get voters to by election day? Their campaign managers are monitoring and adjusting because campaigns are kinetic uh, and they uh, they move throughout the course. Uh, as, the, as the campaign progresses, things change. 
Uh, no battle plan survives contact uh, with the enemy, it's been said. So management really is on top of fundraising, is on top of political, is on top of the business side of the campaign, and is very much focused on strategy, scheduling, uh, and budgeting. So that's the management side. What are the three things that a campaign manager needs to be able to do? Number one, keep the fundraising of the campaign moving. Number two, make sure the political activities of the campaign are happening. That is that all of the things necessary to effectively communicate with voters. And number three, running the shop, running the, 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 the business side of the campaign. That means making sure money is coming in, funds are being deposited, uh, reporting requirements are being met, uh, bills are getting paid, the campaign's not running into debt, so on and so forth. That's what campaign manager uh, really needs to focus on. So within the fundraising or development sphere, campaign needs to raise funds and needs to have the mechanism in order to do that. So uh, in some cases, a candidate for school board might be funding their own campaign, uh, which makes things easier in some regards. In, in other regards, it can be a drawback because if a candidate is purely funding their own campaign, then they're not engaging in fundraising activity. And as you're raising funds, as you're getting people to support your effort, you're building stakeholders. You're, you're, you're giving people a reason to be rooting for you by making a contribution uh, to the campaign. And so we're going to spend time, uh, if you go to episode three of this podcast with Steve Sutton, who's the senior vice president of Leadership Institute, talking about fundraising for the campaign, uh, we have an entire podcast episode uh, dedicated to that, as well as an entire lecture in the school board campaign training program uh, course. Um, there are some parts of the campaign where fundraising overlaps with other parts of the campaign. For example, it's terrific if a campaign organization has someone who's really good at events, and they can use those talents to put on fundraising events as well as political events. So having someone who understands uh, how to secure a venue, how to promote an event, uh, having the right signage, staging, check-in, the program, parking, how to handle photos, all of that. Having someone on the campaign who's usually in a smaller campaign that's going to be a volunteer who's an expert or becomes an expert uh, in events can be really helpful, and that can benefit both fundraising and the political side. Another area where fundraising overlaps with another part of the campaign uh, is uh, when it comes to financial compliance. That is, financial disclosure reports that have to be filed on the part of candidates in most races. That involves both the fundraising side as well as the business uh, side of the campaign. So let's talk a little bit about that business side. In my experience, if a campaign is going to fall down, it usually falls down on the business side of the campaign. And I think the reason for this is that very often people who get involved in politics, they love to do politics. They want to do political stuff. That's what they're attracted to. If they were attracted to business, they would have you know, gone into that field. So there's a tendency on the part of some campaign managers to spend the most of their time on what they enjoy doing the most and spend less time on what they're not as either adept at or as interested in. And the reality is that there are a host of business functions that have to take place within a campaign. Now, this is going to vary depending upon the scale of the campaign, but there's human resources if anyone is going to be hired. There's working with vendors, contracts. If you have a campaign headquarters, then you have rent, utilities, security, 
uh, deposits, uh, you know, et cetera. Then there's information technology aspect of the campaign. Are we going to run this campaign on, you know, Microsoft 365 or Google? How are we going to secure that? There's keeping the campaign on budget in terms of spending. Uh, you know, there's handling of expenses and reimbursements. And very often when there are problems within the campaign on the business side, then it radiates through the campaign and can compromise the campaign's ability to get things done. For example, if the campaign gets into financial trouble and there's slow rolling reimbursements uh, to people who are owed money, those people are not going to be as excited uh, and, uh, and motivated uh, to do a great job. So it's important for campaign managers when it comes to the business side of the campaign, make sure that you're treating people who've agreed to provide services to the campaign, uh, that they're being treated responsibly. Uh, that if you indicate that you're going to provide expense reimbursements within 15 days, then you have to do that. You have to make sure that there's the money in the bank to do that. Because otherwise you're borrowing from the people who you're relying on to help the campaign, and that's never a good position to be in. Uh, the third sphere uh, is political, and that's really the campaign part of the campaign. When people think of political campaigns, they're thinking about this sphere. And this is very comprehensive, of course, because this is where the bulk of the campaign attention and resources are going to go into political. And so that consists of a number of different things in a modern campaign, including in a school board campaign, the first of which is data. Uh, and uh, if you're running for school board or president, your campaign needs to have access to the uh, to the file of voters. And that's uh, commonly accessible today through a variety of different tools like i360, Nation Builder. There are other vendors out there who could provide this. The campaign needs to have data. Uh, the campaign needs to have a robust a access to a robust voter file, meaning a voter file that's been enhanced and is better uh, than what you would typically just get from the government. So what these services will do is they you can uh, they will pull the voter file from the whatever government agency has it, and then they will enhance that file by bumping it up against consumer data, et cetera, and that will give you email addresses, cell phone numbers, uh, you know, and, and maybe even information about what type of issues people are interested in uh, and so on. So one sphere within political uh, is data. The next is research, and episode one with Tom Jones of this podcast focused on this. Vulnerability assessments, opposition research, uh, and research is an important tool for creating the narrative of the campaign, uh, and so on. So research is another political function. Then there's ballot access. If you're not on the ballot, or this part gets screwed up, then all the rest of the campaign really doesn't uh, matter. In some states, like New York, for example, New York is notorious for having very arcane ballot access rules. Kind of the history of New York's arcane ballot access rules is that uh, they deliberately, uh, the politicians in New York deliberately made it very difficult to get on the ballot so that uh, if you didn't have the support of the party, uh, then someone could easily bring a lawsuit and say, you know, you didn't uh, you didn't staple those documents together. The law says they have to be paper clipped and you didn't do that. And so the petitions get thrown out. And that would happen very often in New York. So in other states, it, it, it's easier. But every state has rules about how you get on the ballot, how uh, your name appears on the ballot, very strict deadlines. And there's not a lot of leeway in terms of those deadlines. So it's critically important that someone within the campaign be given responsibility to ensure the candidate is getting on the ballot, and that person really needs to know uh, what they're doing. That's an that is a function uh, in itself uh, within the political sphere. 
then we have communications, uh, and this will include uh, when we talk to the news media, but also things like shaping emails that go to volunteers, campaign website, its social media presence, uh, things like that. Then there's a policy function uh, within, uh, within the political sphere, and that is that candidates for school board need to have something to say about how to make the schools better and how to address challenges in the schools. Candidates also need to be fluent in terms of what are the powers that a school board has. And it, it's a common misconception that school boards have total control over education in their district. They don't, because in every state, there's a role for the, the State Department of Education, maybe a, a state education secretary. There might be uh, something like the New York Board of Regents uh, the, you know, uh, that has an influence in, on education policy in New York with the Regents exam. Uh, and you can have a super in California. We also have a superintendent of public instruction on top of a department of education. There's so much education bureaucracy. The governor has a role. The federal government has a role, et cetera. So candidates for school board need to have a thorough understanding of what they can actually affect so they can speak about those issues intelligently. For example, on curriculum in most states, School boards have to implement a state curriculum, and they only have a certain amount of flexibility to go beyond that. Also, under the, under the political sphere, we have field operations. That is, all the type of activities that might involve be, uh, being out in the field. This includes election day activities, petition drives, going door to door, a radio show call-in program, going after editorial page uh, endorsements, and so on. Those are political programs under field operations. Then we also might have phone banks, neighborhood events. Are we doing postcards? Are we, uh, make, do we have a program to go out and actively uh, secure endorsements? Things like that. And then finally, uh, we have paid media. And paid media is going to constitute the bulk of how your campaign communicates with voters. And the number one way to communicate with voters in most school board campaigns is going to be through mail. In larger school board campaigns where you have a large district, uh, there might be broadcast advertising involved. There can be digital advertising involved in a campaign, large or small. You can have outdoor advertising. That could be either billboards or yard signs. Uh, you can do teletown halls, paid phone calls. Uh, those are all means of voter contact. And voter contact is going to get the bulk of the campaign resources, the vast majority of campaign resources are going to go into that uh, into that paid uh, voter contact. That is the mail, the broadcast, and everything I just walked through. Another component under political is scheduling. You know, if you show me a candidate's budget and their schedule, I'll tell you their strategy because the strategy is most expressed through how the candidate is spending their time and how the campaign is spending its resources, uh, of which time is one. Uh, and money is, of course, another. So those two things really are reflective of the campaign strategy. So making sure that the candidate is making the maximum use of their time. And in my experience, if you're running for political office, the amount of time that that campaign will absorb will probably be more than the candidate expected at the beginning. This is not something, no matter how small the office you're running for, is usually not something that you're going to be satisfied doing one day a week because things move very quickly. Remember, when you're a candidate for office, you are also in someone else's way. Your candidacy is an obstacle for your opponent getting what they want to do. Uh, and so it thus creates a very competitive environment where no one's just sitting around. 
where people are working actively and so on. And so um, uh, making sure that every second of the candidate's time that is available for the campaign is wisely spent is a critical part uh, of, uh, uh, of the campaign uh, as well. Three things that a candidate should be spending the mo- their most of their time doing. Asking people for their votes, asking people for their time, that is to volunteer, and asking people to donate to the campaign to keep it moving uh, financially. And that gives you an overview of the key functions within the campaign. And as I said earlier, that's all scalable. Presidential campaign, city council campaign, school board campaign, they all need to do many of the same things. Just a question of how much of it and what type of scale uh, that, uh, that, uh, that they can perform that at. This wraps up another episode of the Leadership Institute School Board Campaign Training Podcast. The Leadership Institute is a nonprofit, nonpartisan foundation dedicated to giving conservatives the tools they need to fight and win in the public policy arena. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a tax-deductible contribution online at leadershipinstitute.org. You can access the entire Leadership Institute School Board Campaign Training Program at leadershipinstitute.org slash school board. I'm your host, Ron Nearing. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.